And welcome to Connect Church again. My name is Terry Pierce. I had the wonderful privilege of being the lead pastor here for a really long time. And I hope your 23 has already got off to a better start than what ours did. Uh, my wife, uh, uh, first lady here at the church, uh, she uh, had a shoulder repair surgery, torn something other. Anyway, uh, and so... It's been a really hard week on me, um, but anyway, uh, just be praying for her. She's uh, we got her recovering. I did her hair today. No, just kidding. But anyway, uh, we are glad that you guys are here. Hope it's sort of launched into a better year for you guys. And uh, what we're going to do is we're so excited about sharing with you this sermon ser- series, shaping your future self, and we're talking to you guys about how to develop holy habits that, um, and and we're not saying this morning, and so let me get this, let me make this very clear to to you today, Uh, we're not that kind of church, we're not telling you, you do all this and you're going to have a great year, because if you do all this stuff, it's all going to go great for you, you know, name it, claim it, junk, Uh, so what we're telling you today is, is you're going to have a better year, but here's why, because whether you have a bad year or a good year, what we're going to teach you guys is how that Jesus wants to walk with you through the, both the bad and the good, developing holy habits that recognize God's presence, whether it goes good or whether it goes south. We're going to walk with Jesus through that. Here's uh, what we want you guys to really sort of comprehend and get with us, that every one of you here this morning, now look at me, every one of you, all of us on an equal playing field here today, every one of us has an opportunity to be changed. Every one of us beginning today has the ability for God to change us because the truth of the matter is we only see what has been in our past and we're really good about living in the past. The devil's really good about bringing that up or what we're presently, the chaos is going in our, on our, in on what's happening in our lives. So get past that. But here's the thing. What we're going to teach you in this sermon is about shaping your future self is that God wants to reveal to you what can be. I love that. God wants to show you in this sermon series what can be in your life. Here's the theme that we want you to write down in your notes, take a picture of on your phone. He wants us. This is what the whole sermon series is about, so we're going to give you the whole thing right here. He wants us to see, God wants us to see the same things he does. But we need to learn how to grow in our faith. That's what we're doing here. Through it, so we can look through his eyes to see who we are, who we were meant to become. All right? And so one of my roles this morning to help make this happen as a pastor is, yes, there's occasionally that I'm teaching, especially to those of you that are new to our church, you're seekers, you're not even sure about Christianity, we love having you come to Connect Church. Welcome, we're glad you're here. Would you let all all of my members, would you let all of the new folks that are here today, give them a round of applause. We got a ton of new folks here today, first time. Man, we love having you here, and you're going to hear more about families and their first experiences here today, and we hope that that's the same for you. But the other part of my job is not just to teach new truths and uh, from Scripture to those of you that haven't learned them yet, and we got so many young couples and Gen Zs and teenagers here, and so that's part of my job. But the other part of my job is to teach us old folks and remind us of stuff that we so easily forget. Um, Am I the only one that forgets anything? You know you've moved into a certain stratosphere in life is whenever you realize that when you go into the room, you get up and you go into another room, and then you, sur- and you stop, and you have that dull look on your face, 
What did I come in here for? Uh, and uh, you forget totally why you went into the room. Am I the only one that does that? And so go ahead, uh, you be honest about it. And you realize that once you have that experience of going into another room and you have no idea why you walked into that room, you realize you have become your grandparents. Go ahead and call piggies. It's just a matter of time. <laughs> and so you realize that it's just, you know, uh, that's where you're at in that stage of life. But it's not just about us old folks forgetting things. Uh, every, we got all these young couples in our church now, all these babies. I guarantee you, all of the parents in our church will testify this morning, your kids are notorious about forgetting what they are supposed to do. Can I get a witness? Teenagers, young ones, all is like, they continually, no matter how much you tell them, they forget uh, what you're supposed to do. And, and now let's go back to us old folks again. So here's the sort of stage of life that we get to. And so I'm gonna, I got a point with all this, is we forget things. We forget things. Uh, I know when Blaine and I were younger, like a lot of you all, uh, we had three kids and, you know, we were energetic and we were just, and I was thinking about this sermon and I got to thinking when we were younger in our 20s, even with three kids and all crazy town stuff that was going on, is that we would have discussions almost every night, John, and it'd be like this, you know, hey, what do you guys want to do tonight? Uh, well, babe, uh, you want to go play tennis? Yeah, let's go for a run. You know, we get the kids and, you know, push them in the buggies and uh, or let's, you know, we're going to go hiking, whatever it was. And we had all these energetic things that we would do nightly. <laughs> so you know what we do now? <laughs> we forget all those days. Uh, they're behind us. So now here's what our routine is. We walk into the house at night, come home, and this is the first words out of our mouth. Where's my glasses? <laughs> What'd you do with the remote? What are we going to do tonight? Watch Blue Bloods or 2020 and How to Kill Your Husband. Uh, so that's sort of, you know, how the transition goes uh, in your life of the different stages. We forget what it's like to be younger. Uh, but back to you with kids. Uh, I think you're all going to relate to this part about the forgetting. Uh, is it, are your kids not notorious for this? I remember my wife. I wish I'd invested money in every time she said this to her three sons, <laughs> who she said took after me. But this is invariably what I heard, if not daily, weekly, to one of, if not all three of the boys. I swear, y'all act like your daddy. And I swear, if your head was not attached to your shoulders, you would lose your head. Anybody ever made that speech? Everybody heard that speech? And it was continually those kind of things. And so it's amazing that your kids can forget to do the dishes and if you've told them 20 times. It's amazing that your kids can forget to clean the room after you've given them a clean, clear description of what they're supposed to do after supper. But lo and behold, they never miss, miss an Instagram or a Snapchat from their BFF. Can I get a witness? Any parents in the room? They totally forget uh, certain things. And so uh, I said all that to say this, is that we are just sin-cursed. We should just realize that we forget the things that are most important uh, to us. And so I want to sort of piggyback in that and remind you, in 23, uh, what we're starting this sermon series off is I want to help you develop powerful habits that will benefit you in remembering what God has created you to do. Holy habits that will help us remember what God has called us to do. So the first step that we're going to take this morning in helping shape your future self is to begin with something that I would argue 
is so easily forgotten in the body of Christ and to those of us in the room, all generations, is that we constantly forget why God created us. So we're going to do a little audience participation here this morning. All right, so wake up, wake up. So let me ask you the question. All right, we're going to get theological here today. You ready, Jim? We're going to go deep. All right. So why did God create you? That's a great question to ask. What is your main purpose that God created you for? So let's see how spiritual you guys are. All right, just shout out. Why did God create you all? Dang it. You got it right. All right. Uh, and so I was counting on that I had failed as a pastor, and you guys were going to say, well, we're supposed to witness, and we're supposed to go to church and all this. You know, the, the first service, they got it right, too. I was fixing. I had a whole parent, you know, yelling at you guys, like children's sermon. You know, you guys don't even know the whole reason. You guys got it right. So, man, kudos. Thank you, guys. Uh, so, so, yeah, uh, for those of you who are going, I don't know that. So just play along with us like you're smart, too. Uh, God created you all for one primary purpose is to worship him. And so what is the one thing that we forget to regularly do? Worship him. So you all get where I'm going with all this. And so the psalmist is going to remind us of if we're going to move forward and shaping our future self, then we've got to come back to understanding, putting Jesus into our worship and the power of praise. Turn in your Bible, if you will, to the book of Psalms, chapter 150, the last chapter in the book of Psalms, chapter 150. And we're going to understand what this text teaches us about the power of praise. Y'all did good. I'm impressed. Uh, y'all y'all uh, get an A today. So here's a little bit deeper dive into this book of Psalms, this chapter of Psalms. In the book of Psalms, the final five chapters from 146 to 150, all of those, those are five different hymns that were written to be sung um, by the people in the Old Testament. And each one of them begins with this phrase, praise the Lord. Now, if you're old school like me and you grew up in the King James Church, praise ye the Lord. All right, so you had a bit, um, but ESV translation, praise the Lord, more literal. Uh, the meaning of this chapter goes much deeper than just praise the Lord. We're going to understand he is calling us to worship, and I'll explain that in just a second. But join with me now as we read in the book of Psalms, chapter 150. Here's what he teaches us about the power, developing this holy habit of praising God. Praise the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in the mighty heavens. Praise him for his mighty deeds. Praise him according to his excellent greatness. Praise him with the trumpet and sound. Praise him with the lute and harp. Praise him with the tambourine and dance. All right. Well, this ain't no Baptist church. All right. I'm just saying, it's just, I, I just read it like he wrote it, okay? So you take it up with him. Praise him with strings and a pipe. Praise him with sounding cymbals. Praise him with loud clashing cymbals. I was thinking maybe one of the band guys should just have hit the drums at that moment when I was reading this, and, uh, and some of you all either would have got saved or uh, you would have, you know, would carried you out. But anyway, uh, and so, uh, but notice there is a lot of instruments, and it's emotional. Uh, we're going to come back to that. So let everything 
he noticed how he concludes, let everything that has breath praise the Lord, praise the Lord. You can see the emphasis of emotion that is invested in the text. And I want to make that very clear. This is really cool. I love the opening line that he uses the Hebrew word hallelujah. Now, anybody in here like to learn a little Hebrew here this morning? All right, so Mary, get your notes out. She's been complaining, complaining and bellyaching about me about this, about you don't, you tell us the Greek and Hebrew, you know, right now. So Mary, write this down. All right, anyway, so we have the Hebrew word, <laughs> and so get it. she's a note taker. I'm not going to bust on her. I appreciate that. So here's the Hebrew word translated hallelujah. Get it? That's deep. All right, y'all get it? So hallelujah. And it means praise the Lord. Or if you're, again, old school, grew up like I did, praise ye the Lord. So what he's saying is, is it, and by the way, this is much deeper, so I want you to get this word down, and I, and I want you to say this word throughout the week, because here's the thing. When, when you read it in English, uh, praise the Lord, it sounds, okay, that's a cool holy habit that we can do, Miss Sharon, I get that, but it's much deeper than that. Here's the original Hebrew meaning for this phrase, this word. It means not just do this, but worship. And this is very important. He's saying to you and I, I need you to develop this holy habit of worshiping me. And the way you worship me is to praise the Lord. This is some good theological singing stuff right here, uh, Jacob. Is he's saying to us, he's saying, I want you to engage in just not singing the song, but in worship of me. And so notice the emphasis there. This is so important to us learning how to shape our future self by developing this holy habit. So you, you get the idea. So here's the thing. Here's what I'm encouraging you to do. To, uh, and by the way, this is not just a noun, a, 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 a proclamation type statement. And again, hear me this morning, a little bit more teachy, and then we'll get to the practical side of this. It's not a noun here. This is a verb. So he's saying to us, Chris, this is not an option. If you really want my presence in shaping your future self, then the first holy habit that I need you to do daily and to gather in my house on Sunday to do is I need you to action. It's a verb. He's saying you have to do this in order to receive my blessing and my presence. Are you getting this? This is not an option, guys. It is an action, a holy habit, if you will, that we need to be engaged in doing. So I want to make this practical this morning. I want to help teach you guys how to do this. So you got two ways that we're going to help you put this into practice, because that's what he's saying here. I need you to worship, praise God. I need you to worship the power of praise in your life, then I'm going to bring my presence into blessing you. So here's what he's saying to you and I. Here's how we do it. First of all, uh, listen to 91.7 if you don't have XM uh, radio. And uh, listen to Christian music is what I'm arguing. Uh, I, what I want to challenge you to do, I'm not saying that you can't listen to 80s because that's the best music in the world. Uh, but I am saying you need to turn it off for a little while. and uh, Or Alabama. Uh, but you need to turn that off uh, for, for a little while. And what I need you to do is I need you to spend some time with me listening to Christian music. As you do your hear journals, as you do your prayer time, and I need you to spend daily time worshiping me. 
Now I need you to come to my house and worship me. We're going to talk about what that looks like here in a minute. But guys, I want to practically encourage you that if you're going to have God shape your future self, then this is the kind of practice you need to daily. Just take 10 minutes. I do longer, but let's start with 5 to 10 minutes of listening to some Christian music. I don't give a rip what style it is. Tony Birmingham's going to listen to Bill Gaither. He, is he still alive? Uh, anyway, and so he's going he's to listen to whatever he does. And I don't give a rip what style it is. We're going to get to that because I'm going to bust on all of you. I'm going to offend everybody here. Uh, so hang on to that. But, but what I'm going to talk to you about is listen to Christian music where we're worshiping and praising him. So, uh, and if you don't, and some of you all, you know, you guys, some of you all are really old. So Ernie sitting back there, he's ancient. So all he got in his car is he's got the old push button. All right, Robert Comer. All right, and so all he's got is the old push button, AM radio. Uh, some of y'all, all the Gen Zs are going, what in the flip is an AM radio? Uh, but anyway, and so they don't have Christian Station on AM radio because it's not safe. Uh, but anyway, so, so here's what we're going to do is we're going to teach you a song that if you're Ernie and Robert and all you got is an old AM push button radio station, I'm going to teach you a song that we grew up singing that goes right along with this text. Y'all remember... We grew up singing back in the day, and I'm going to do audience participation with this. So here's what I want you all to sing this week if you've got an AM radio and you can't get Christian music. Is we used to sing this song. It goes right along with the text. Praise ye the Lord. That's impressive. All right. Uh, so we got a bunch of old folks in here. All right. Anyway, uh, so, so we're going to teach a younger generation. This is biblical. The old folks teaching the younger ones are going, what in the world did he just sing? All right. And so we're going to teach you all a, an old school song here this morning that this is what I want Robert and Ernie and then any of the rest of you want to sing this song this morning. So here we're going to do on the count of three, we're going to sing this out loud. Ladies, you guys are going to do the praise ye the Lord. And then guys, right, because you guys are guys, one word. When they get done, hallelujah. All right, all right, so that's it. Uh, can you handle it? I go, I don't know, dude. What did he say? All right, so, all right, so, lady, on the count of three, ladies, you get us started. One, two, three. Oh, never mind. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> okay. Don't, don't sing that song this week. That was pathetic, fellas. That was real. The, the ladies nailed it. You guys suck at this. All right, anyway, uh, so here, buy you XM Radio. All right, uh, so we need uh, to, to exercise praising the Lord. That was pitiful. I hope you guys did better in Missouri, Alan, with your group. And, and uh, they got a full house today in Mountain Grove, so I hope, Alan, that, that your guys did better. Our guys stink. All right, here we are. So we're looking at a little bit deeper dive into, the, into this part of this text. So the psalmist is declaring 10 different ways to give God praise in this chapter, and he concludes with this exhortation. Look with me again in verse 6. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord Praise the Lord. Jesus would go on to emphasize this and, and, uh, and, and magnify this statement. As he would say in the New Testament, if human beings don't praise me, then the rocks and the hills will cry out. Dr. Dennis Tucker, a noted Old Testament scholar, and he's right on point by describing this text. And here's the message of Psalms 150. The Psalter, it confesses that Israel's God is not a tribal or regional deity associated with a particular group of people. But instead, Israel is a particular group of people in a covenant with the divine king who stands over the cosmos. Now, this is a great theological uh, Old Testament scholar 
interpreting the text. So can I put it in Mississippi terms for you and I this morning? Can I tell you, this is great, this is good, this is best, but can I put it in terms that all the rest of us can understand this morning? Do you know what this psalmist is declaring? He said, this is why you need the power of praise, this holy habit in your daily life. And here's why. Because here's what the psalmist is declaring. In the first two verses, he's saying, God is worthy of our worship. And this is what he means by it. Translation, God Almighty loved you and I enough in this building this morning that he sent his only begotten son, Jesus Christ. And he came and he built a bridge from the glory of heaven all the way down to earth. And that bridge is in the form of a cross. And my God, not, not a religion. You listen to me, Gen Z's? Not, uh, well, this is our church's religion. This is our experience. This is what we believe. Oh, no, no, no. I'm talking about the God, the only God, the true God. His son, Jesus Christ, built a bridge to heaven. So you and I, because of that cross, he was nailed to a cross. He was crucified on a cross. His precious blood that flowed from Emmanuel's veins came into me, washed away my sins. I'm no longer sin cursed. I'm not going to hell. My God has saved me. I'm on my way to heaven, and he deserves the worship. I'm just telling you, that's who he is. And you remember that because I'm lightheaded right now. I don't know if I can finish the sermon, but I'm just telling you, I can't preach that way no more. I'm just telling you, is it hot in here or is it just me? But I'm telling you, he deserves our worship. And so the psalmist, i got to get in better shape, is saying that he is worthy of our praise. All right, deep breath. <laughs> it sucks getting old. In verses 3 through 5, he, had turned, he, had turned, he turns our attention to now not only just telling us who we focus on on our praise, but he says, this is how I want you to do this. Oh, hang on. Forget, I'm going to come back to that. Let me, let me land here for just a second about who we praise, because verses 1 and 2, uh, can I just talk to you pastoral here for just a second? We spend far too much time worshiping what other people think about us than we do God. Here's what I mean by that. The reason you guys are spiritually in a dry season in your life, you guys get frustrated at what's going on in your life, and you get angry because things are not clicking for you, and you say, you know what, and, and, and here's invariably what we do, is we say, you know what, man, I put my trust in my, and I want to live my life so that I would make my mama and my daddy happy. We live to get our parents' approval. We live to get, we put preachers and religion and even denominations on a pedestal because I want to get people's approval to recognize that I'm worthy to be in those positions and those things. We, we want our friends. Are you listening to me, Gen Z's? If I don't get 17 likes on my post, then therefore I don't exist and my friends are rude. 
Now listen to me. It's a little bit of a pet peeve, but I think this is right on, on, on point to the text of why you guys are miserable and frustrated with your spirituality and you're blaming God and me and the church for it, and then this is what you're missing out on. Your identity is not in how many people like you. Your identity is not whether your mama or your daddy approves if you go into this church. Your identity is not in how you were raised. And your identity is not on how many likes you get on social media or they following you on Instagram. Listen to me. If I see one more of you all get on social media and post, you know what? My friends have let me down and, 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 and you know my family and they don't support me and all this stuff. Listen to me. Your family... It's sin cursed. Your friends are sin cursed. Preachers are sin cursed. One of my mentors, the whole guy that sort of led me down this discipleship road, came out last year that he had covered up in 2012 a sin with another woman. And they're nest now, and he hid it and he covered it up for 10 years. And I'm telling you, I was, dis I was discouraged and devastated when I heard the news. But I got news for you. I didn't skip church the next Sunday. I didn't go on social media and say, my life, my ministry's over because Dr. So-and-so has sinned. Because guess what? Dr. So-and-so never saved me. He didn't even know I existed. He didn't care. And neither do I. Because the truth of the matter is, there's only one opinion about me that matters. And with all due respect, it ain't yours. I live to please him. And so when we come back and we worship God, who cares what your friends think, who cares what your family thinks, who cares about pleasing other people, there's only one who we have to worry about, and his name is Jesus. And by the way, he's the only one that will never let you down. He's the only way that loves you, whether you post on Instagram or not. He cares about the real you. He cares about the real you. And he wants to help you. And so this morning, that's how we understand the power of praise. Verses 3 through 5 gets into talking about how we praise God. So hang on. If I haven't offended you yet, let me try here. In verses 3 through 5, he talks about seven different instruments of what they include in their worship. Now get this, Wayne. This is how they began to worship in Psalms 150. Are you ready, Baptist folks? They began with a trumpet called a shofar. And so it was sort of like a horn. And, it's, and I've seen it. I've been in Israel. And so this is how they would begin their worship. They would take this little trumpet, this little curved thing, and they would go, do-do-do-do, One more. Okay. It's, yeah, it, was, it's, <laughs> I, it sounded just like that in Hebrew. Anyway, and so they would be, could you imagine next Sunday, if Jerry gets up here and he blows his horn, doo -doo -doo -doo, I mean, everybody, about half of you all are having a conniption fit. What church did we go to? What are we doing? That's not the way my mama raised in the Baptist church. Uh, and, and we begin, but they did in the Bible. So they had seven different instruments. I remember back in the day, here in this church, whenever we had a piano and an organ and that was it. And sister so-and-so had played the organ for 75 years. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Love her. God bless her. But uh, I'm not talking about you, Miss Shirley. <laughs> anyway, dang. <she's, laughs> uh, just, oh, my. Jonathan, is it hot in here or just me? Anyway, it's <laughs> oh, I'm in so much trouble. Uh, by the way, if you don't like all this part of it, Davey's back here. He's the chairman of the board. Email him. 
And so we had all these instruments, and, 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 uh, and we had two instruments in the day. I remember early on in the ministry is we just felt like we wanted to reach a younger, little bit younger generation, still saying same, but we just brought in and we said, let's put a guitar on stage. Man, I'm telling you, the bullets were flying. And they were headed in my direction. We, we moved in, and we, then we went from a guitar and we added ungodly drums. Get them out of the church. Uh, and, uh, and so, and we put those in there and, and then it was just a you know, whole business meeting. And then we made the ultimate apostasy move is we put the words of God on the screen. Ah! Jesus never put a word of God on the screen. Anyway, and I'm just saying, and we had all those business meetings and and, you know, we sort of laugh about that now. <laughs> Apparently not some of you. Anyway, uh, but we laugh about uh, those kind of things, you know, and making those kind of changes now. But look in the text. They use seven different instruments in their worship. And have you ever asked yourself, why do we make it such an important deal that we have to just have an organ, just a piano or whatever, when the Word of God, and by the way, this carries over into seminaries and Bible colleges, Oh, yeah, I'm going to go there. Yeah. Whenever you become so arrogant, and what, and what you argue is, is that if it's not just classical music, then it's not Christian music, or if it's not just your set of style. And by the way, when they argue those things, I have the degrees too, guys. And so when you argue those things, what you're arguing is, is Western church history. But let me explain something to you. There's a whole movement of God in the East, and in Africa, in South America, where they worship God as well. We don't have a lot of volumes written about it. God doesn't tell us in the Bible specifically how to worship him. What his emphasis is on is do it. Matter of fact, Jesus' own words are, worship me, John 4, 23, in what? Spirit and in truth. That's it. So there's a lot of room. Do you maybe think, to yourself, the reason God allows all the ambiguity over how we worship, because he knew he would create us differently. And, and the word spirit, by the way, is not big capital S there in John 4, 23. It is the word spirit, meaning you need to participate. It's not the Holy Spirit. It's you acting on this. In other words, what he's saying is, I need you to do this in truth. And that's it. I need you to do this in truth. And by the way, to put sort of cap on this, about what style we're supposed to do. If it's not boring, then it's not good worship. Gag me. So here's the truth of the matter is, you need to get on a mission trip. If you think we're the only ones that have figured out how to do it the way your mama did it, or the way that they tell us at some highbrow seminary, oh yeah, I'm going there, go ahead and email me. Because the truth of the matter is, is that I'm, you need to go with me to Africa and see how they worship God. Go with me to Cuba and Mexico and see how they worship God. The greatest worship set I've ever been in in my life was in a little church outside of Havana, Cuba, in a little block building with people that had nothing but the clothes on their back and the shoes on their feet, and they sat there for an hour, elbow to elbow for an hour, worshiping God with drums, with guitars, with cymbals, and everything else, and clanging on pots and pans uh, and everything else that they could get their hands on. And I'm telling you, they they were hungry to worship God because they didn't have anything else. They were dependent on God for everything. And I have never seen God move like he did in that service. And they didn't do it like us. So you better be careful in deciding that your way is better than everybody else's. Worship 
involved the playing of instruments, and it was a matter of doing it and participating in it. Here's what Dr. Jamie Grant, an Old Testament scholar on point to the argument we're making here. The people played instruments, and they did, and offered up confession, and they experienced the fullness of God's glory on display. Some people argue that you're not supposed to bring emotion into the church. <laughs> You've not read Psalms 150. All I'm arguing is Bible. I'm not arguing Terry Pierce philosophy. I'm saying look at the text. Worship God. The psalmist invites the congregation and even all creation to do likewise. In my humble opinion, this ends the, the debates, what we call the worship wars. God is saying, worship me in spirit and truth. Engage in the practice of worship. And by the way, there's going to be times in your life, and, and well, let me just prove this point this way, and I'll leave it there, and, and then I want to give you the practical side, and we'll walk out. From time to time, you all come to me, and occasionally, and it doesn't happen very often here, but occasionally, we'll be in the gathering space, and uh, not so much now, but it used to be in the old church. And uh, you guys would come up to me and you would say, uh, Pastor Terry. And you would um, talk to me very eloquently. And you go, I just want you to know, Pastor Terry, I didn't get anything out of your service today. And I, you know... And I was trying to be gracious, and, but, but I'm not, so just, you know. And if you do that today, in Jesus' name, I'll throat punch you. Because <laughs> I'm not Jesus. <laughs> but uh, here's what I invariably would say to people when you say that phrase. And I hate that, so I'm just going to tell you flat out. You know, just don't bother me with that. Because here's what I'll tell you. Well, I didn't get anything out of your service today. And so invariably, I would ask the question, Tony. So... Um, what did you put into it? Did you read the word? Well, you know, I don't know those songs, and so therefore, or, you know, if maybe you're like me, and you're musically challenged. I'm not just musically challenged, I'm musically stunted. I mean, I don't understand music, I can barely play a radio, I don't get it, I don't hear it, but I'm telling you what, I sing on Sunday, and here's what my answer to the people was, if you, we have the words on the screen, whether you like the style or not, who cares, the truth of the matter is, the truth, the truth is on the screen, you say the words, I don't sing where anybody wants to hear me, I was standing next to Hector, and uh, he moved on the other side of Kena, uh, so the truth of the matter is, is that I don't have a voice, but you know who loves to hear me mouth the words to the songs, Jesus does, you know who deserves at my mouthing and worshiping him? Jesus does. And I'm telling you, if you're not getting anything out of the service, it's because you are not participating in what where worship is. And if you're not singing and you're not saying the words, then don't come and gripe to me. I didn't get anything out of the service today. God can't break through a hard brick. He has to have somebody that has soft clay that says, I want to hear, I want to participate in who God is. So that leads us to four practical things that I want to close with this morning by helping you discover the power of praise in your life. Number one, here's how we do this. This is what we're going to discuss in our small groups tonight. Pastor Rick Warren and I took and modified him to what I think was better. All right, here we are. Number one, praise him even when you don't feel like it. 
Now, let me just say this. Um, quit worrying about, you know, I hear people say, well, I want to raise my hand, but I'm afraid of what somebody will say if I raise my hand. Look at me this morning. Nobody is watching you worship. The only person that is watching you worship in this house is Almighty God. The only person you should be worried about in your worship is Him looking down on you. And if you feel led to raise your hand, you feel led to move, then you move because who cares what anybody else thinks about the worship set? And if you're so worried about it and you're not participating, by the way, if you're not singing, here's what we're going to do next week. We're going to take the cameras and we're going to point them on you and then we're going to show you. <laughs> Just kidding. Oh, I'm getting so fired. All right, anyway, I'm just kidding. We're not really going to do that, maybe. But here's the thing. <laughs> here's what I want you to write down. <laughs> we, i got to finish so we can, Belen can keep her. Anyway, you need to praise and worship God even when you don't feel like it because this is how he releases himself to you. I am so tired of us using the excuse, you know, I just didn't come to church today, Pastor Terry, because my heart wasn't into worship. Horse potatoes. Are you kidding me? I'm just telling, I have no idea what that means. So, so I'm just telling you, I got, forget we got new people here. So the truth of the matter is, is that who cares? It's not about your feelings. You see, you don't Bring, you understand whether you feel like it or not, God is already here. It's not about how you feel. You come to his house to worship him. And this is the second principle I want you to write down that goes along with it. So write this down. Principle number two. Praising God helps you sense his presence. Now here's what I want you to understand this morning. It's not about how you feel. You see, God, hear me this morning, God is already here. I have erroneously stated, and so have you, that, you know, we're praying, and I appreciate our Gideon's army that prays over our service and join us at 10 and 15 minutes before service. Become and join a part, room on 109, and praying for our services. But I've taught, you know, we hey, give you a prayer sheet, and we say, pray that, that God will be, join with us in worship. And honestly, we pray that wrong, and, I, and it's my fault. God is already here. God never leaves us. He never forsakes us. He's already in the house. We're not asking God to come into the house. He's already in the house. What we got to do is get our backside here because he's already here. And when you come and participate in his worship, then you feel his presence. So I hope all y'all watching online, unless you're in Missouri with Alan and a house full of people, you need to be here and enjoy his presence because that's where we go beyond our feelings. Here's a practical thing to think about. It's easier to act your way into a feeling than to feel your way into action. Quit using the excuse, I don't feel it. You take action in your life. And when you participate, get yourself here whether you feel like it or not. Because here's what the scripture says. He wants to bless you with his presence. He's already here waiting on us to join him. Psalms 140 and verse 13. Surely the righteous shall give thanks. That means participating to your name. The upright shall dwell in your presence. God's presence is here all the time. 
It's just us coming to acknowledge it. And then as we acknowledge it and we participate in worship, then we sense his blessings and peace in our life. Another way the psalmist said it in 75.1 is we give thanks to you. Notice again the participating. They're acting on it before they feel it. Oh God, we give thanks. We're going to do this whether we feel it or not. For your name is what? Already near. He's already here. We recount your wondrous deeds. And what is he saying? All the stuff that we forget about God. All the distractions that happen in our life and our worship. We gather in spirit. We're willing to come and celebrate the truth of who God says we are. And that's all that matters. Would you stand with me this morning? We're not done with the sermon. We're not done with the sermon. But I want you guys to actively participate in worship. And then we're going to sit down and I'm going to come back and finish with a couple more thoughts. But guys, I want to teach you the power of praise. I want us to do better. As we gather next Sunday, this is how we start. Alan, as you guys there in Missouri, this is how we start. This is how we participate in the power of praise. Tanner, would you lead us? <laughs> you may be seated. Wow. Uh, Tanner expects that same participation next Sunday, all right, from the get-go. Uh, man, that's tearing the roof off. Thank you, guys. Praising God, number three, enlarges my perception of Him. Praising God makes God bigger in my eyes. Praising God enlarges my perception of who He is, and that's a big deal. And I want you to write this down this morning as well. When God gets larger in my life, my problems shrink. And when God gets larger in my life, my problems get smaller. And by the way, look at me. The opposite is true. You leave God out of your life. Y'all quit going to church. You quit spending time in your hear journals. You leave him out. All of a sudden, your life is ruled by chaos and your problems. And that's all you see. Are you tired of living that way? Let's shape our future selves. I want more Jesus and less of the problems. And I'm going to begin by seeing him bigger. And number four, praising God reveals solutions that I can't see. Let me let you in a little secret. God is bigger and greater and can handle anything that you're facing. For 21 years, I've been the pastor of this church, 30 some odd years in ministry. I know this is going to come as a huge shock to you all, but I'm not really cut out and qualified to do this job. God has so radically transformed this church. I'm going to take about 10 minutes to share with you in just a second what he's doing here and why we want you to be a part of this. But before I do, I want to tell you that God has so radically changed lives. I'm looking all over the room at people that have been saved, people that have had brokenness, redemption, and all of the things that God has done, this new campus, all of the change that God has brought to this church, and do you think I'm even flipping close enough qualified to do this job? You're out of your mind. But you know what I do every week? I go, this is way too big for me. I can't handle these amount of problems in these situations. But you know what I do every week, Terry? I get on my face before Almighty God, and I go, you're bigger than me. 
You're capable and you called me to do this. And so, God, I'm going to ask you to give me solutions that I don't have the, uh, the answers for. God, I'm going to ask you to show me the way. And I just am crazy enough to believe that God will use me because he's called me to do this. And I just call on his name. And what we have before you is God just proving himself. If I can use Terry, then I can do it in your life. I will give you solutions that you never dreamed about because you've got to put your trust in praise in me. Isn't God good? Would you bow with me this morning? Dear Heavenly Father, we come before you today. If there's one here this morning that doesn't know you as their Savior, we're not going to sing a verse of invitation formally like we normally do, but we're going to invite folks to come. And if, they, if you want to come today and you're just, I've heard the gospel here, and you say, man, I want Jesus to transform my life, then I want you to step out and come. Our counselors will meet with you, they'll pray with you, and we want to help share with you how to have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. But maybe the rest of us in the congregation here this morning, maybe this was a message that God just reminded us of what we've forgotten. Remember how we begin? We've forgotten that if we're going to really experience God through the lows and the highs of 23, then it all begins, it all begins with the power of praise. Me coming back to the fact that I've got to make God a priority in my life. I'm going to be in your house to worship you. I'm going to give you daily praise. I'm going to make this holy habit. Would you pray that with me right now? God, forgive me of focusing on my problems and my chaos rather than seeing the big God. And God, I'm not going to get enamored or caught up in how I do it. I'm just going to be what you said in spirit. That means I'm willing action. My holy habit to praise you and spend time with you. God, I pray that you would confirm bless the decisions that are being made in this service this morning to help us align our lives with the vision and the plan that you have for us. In the name of Jesus, I pray and amen. Thank you for listening to the Sermon Playback Podcast from Connect Church in Tupelo, Mississippi. Connect Church has two worship services on Sunday mornings at 9 a.m. and 1030. We sincerely hope you'll visit. For more information and details, or if you have any questions you'd like to answer, please visit our website at www.triconnect.church. Again, that's www.triconnect.church.